Hello and welcome. The goal of this podcast is to get listeners connected with others in the sports industry because they say it's all about who you know and now you know us. Hey everybody, this is your host Connor Shank and today you're listening to the Constant Sports Podcast, a podcast that is committed to connecting you with others in the sports industry. And today you're meeting Michael Barna. How's it going, Michael? Hey, Connor. It's going well. Good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, for the uh, listeners and viewers today, so Michael is currently the coordinator for uh, for finance and economic for the 2024 men's Final Four host uh, committee, as they call it, long name uh, there for, for the uh, for for the Final Four. He's also Phil Sundevil, uh, so forks up, and he earned his sports law and business master's degree. Uh, I guess you graduated this year, right? You did. The yep, just graduated. Track. Yep. So he's fresh, and he got. <laughs> is it the pin? You got the Final Four pin on here. What do we got? Oh here? yeah. You gotta, you know, I gotta represent, right? Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I'll deck out. Look at this. He's a, and uh, Michael spent some time with, uh, is it Sports Data IO or is it yes, Sports Data IO? And then yep. he, he's actually a fellow podcast uh, host himself. Uh, oh, yeah. So I'm sure we'll dive into that as in uh, the Ball Squad podcast and other sports related topics. So, Michael, I guess let's, let's just kick it off. And um, I guess we kind of met where we're in the master's program. So, Kind of how'd you get, you did your undergrad at ASU as well. So I'm sure you heard about it when you were in your undergrad and then kind of what made you get in, you know, like, okay, I'm doing this. Right. So my original goal was to go to law school. Hmm. And uh, there was one day where I was like, ah, you know, I don't really want to just be a lawyer. Like I want to do something more interesting. So then I found the MSLB program and I was like, oh, it's right here at ASU. It's ranked top 10 in the country for, you know, sports masters that I could get. And I'm like, oh, perfect. I'm right in town. Um, So I would say it was probably my goal to get into this program uh, since like 2019. And then I got in in 2021. Um, So, yeah, it's it's kind of been a goal for a while, whether that was going to be um, concurrent MSLB slash JD or just MSLB. I was like, right. either way, you know, I really want to be here. And, and luckily I got in. So yeah, that's kind of where that started off. Um, yeah. And I so. feel like we've, we've heard a lot of kind of similar stories where it's like, you know, people want to be lawyers specifically, but then the cool part about the MLCB program, as you know, is it's in the law school. So you mm-hmm. take amateur law, pro sports law, I don't know, we're taking uh, how many law classes are you know intermixed with the other sports marketing classes? So right, you know it. It I feel like it checks that box nicely for the uh, you know wannabe lawyers, so to speak. <laughs> as I, I put myself in that category, and I know Mr. Uh, Coleman Coleman, uh, uh, co-host of the podcast, is is in that category himself. Oh yeah, I could I could probably throw myself there because uh, I'm a lawyer, so reading about that stuff is always interesting and you know, the whole sports law thing, but I'm definitely not qualified. So, yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you thinking about, you know, possibly going down the, I guess, the JD route or are you kind of done with school? I've thought about it. I think for now I'm done, but it's not something I've like closed the door on for sure. Um, I think it would just have to be something that makes sense for me, like mm-hmm. in my career, like if it really is going to advance my career that much, that's the only way right. I would do it. Like, I'm not going to do it just to, just to have it. Right. Just to, um, just to get it done. Yeah. yeah. I gotcha. So I guess as you were at ASU undergrad, you saw kind of 2019, the MSB program was kind of your goal. So what was yep. it about the sports industry in particular that you were like, okay, this is it. Um, this is kind of something I want to follow. Yeah. Well, just, you know, working my job before, um, I don't know. It was just kind of boring. I kind of wanted to do something a little bit more. And I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to have to work hard anyways, like why not do it with something I enjoy? Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously 
pretty passionate about sports. That's like, but that's everybody, right? Everybody's passionate about sports, but I really want to like kind of leave an impact. I feel like a lot of my skill set with um, not only with data analytics and stuff, but just, you know, communication and developing skill sets, yep. that kind of thing. Um, I think I can kind of make an impact on the sports industry that way. Um, plus, it's just cool. It's really cool to just, you know, be able to work in sports and say that, hey, I work here and um, kind of leave an impact, especially now that I'm with Final Four. It's kind of cool seeing like all the stuff go up around the valley and oh, yeah, you know, yeah, everybody yeah. getting excited for it. And it's like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm helping out with that. Like, yeah. That's kind of sweet. Yeah, you got boots on the ground before before the Final Four even came. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So um, I'm enjoying that aspect of it a lot. Right. And, and let's, I just want to dive into kind of the, uh, you know, I'd say your analytics background, you're kind of an analytics guy, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, numbers numbers guy yourself, um, obviously with sports data, IO and whatnot. So um, in in the MSCB program, we took a sports analytics class. So was that something right. that you were, you know, like looking forward to? Like you were like, okay, this is it. Because for me, every Tuesday at five, I was like, this is not <laughs> it. I, I'm not going to enjoy this, but we'll get it done. Yeah. So what is it about, you know, analytics and and paired with sports that you're like okay this is sweet um well first of all that drive to tempe was always a little (laughs) frustrating like i agree with you there um but yeah that was it's kind of funny because that class was like it was probably one of my favorite classes and Uh it was done in my first semester so it was like okay it kind of passed by (laughs) um but i would say what i really like about sports analytics and business analytics because i'm kind of into both Mm -hmm. um is that it really quantifies a lot of things. And I feel like um, with my background in, cause I was a communication major in undergrad um, with my background in that, I think uh, what a lot of people struggle with, with analytics things is they don't, they just don't know how to communicate it. Right. Yep, they don't the know how to down. get yeah, people understand to understand it. it. Yep, so yep. I kind of feel like I'm, I have that kind of in between skill set where it's like, Hey, you know, I can understand what the numbers are saying. And I can find a way to communicate effectively, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really important no matter, like, I would say that's important, even if you're not into sports analytics and like yeah. business analytics and stuff, you got to know something about numbers and kind of like how to use them and things like that. Cause that's just where things are headed. Yeah, you know? no doubt. So, yeah. Well, in kind of in that space, whether it's, uh, I guess, NBA, NFL, MLB, which league, you know, in your opinion, do you think takes analytics uh, like the furthest or that uses it the most? Oh, it's definitely MLB. That's like without a doubt. They got analytics conferences all year. I was actually at um the Saber Analytics Conference yep. that was here. Dive into it. Um, yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I volunteered there just to do like case. They had like a it was I think it was like the Diamond Dollars competition or something like mm-hmm. that, where they're bringing high school and college kids from all over the country to like you know present their case. And I think this year it was something about um trying to simulate a game assuming all the uh, ump calls were correct um wow. and yeah it is pretty crazy seeing because they were they were talking about stuff i didn't even understand um it was pretty cool seeing like there's a lot of kids that are into this and and i think it's just going to keep growing and growing but i would say yeah baseball definitely takes it the furthest um and i mean you took you took the sports analytics class too it's just because it's like very easy to kind of isolate the data mm-hmm. um nfl i think is the hardest to probably use analytics like there's there's some stuff in there but um i think there's just so much going on on the field at any given time yeah. it's it's very difficult to like kind of get that going all out mm-hmm. yeah I, I, I was gonna say kind of the same thing with with the you know nfl analytics it's like how do you factor in like on the fourth and inches if derrick henry's your running back or like 
you know, yeah. Austin Eckler. Like I feel it's two different people. Like you can't just be like, you know, 80% of the time Derek Henry is going to get in 80% of the time Eckler is going to get it. Like, you know, yeah. and when there's like 22 so guys harder. on the field, yeah. it's, it's so much harder. Right. Like in baseball, you can kind of say it's a one-on-one thing because it's mm-hmm. a pitcher and a batter. Oh yeah. Um, That make, make the stuff happen. Basketball, it's five on five, you know, a little harder, but it's mm-hmm. there, but when you're looking at 11 on 11, it's yeah, it's way too way, many variables. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like baseball, this guy clearly cannot hit an inside fastball. Like he's one for 29. Like it's clear. Like there's the end. Yeah. The sample sizes are a lot bigger. Exactly. Baseball, exactly. So, yeah. And I, I agree with you there. I'm kind of in the analytics space. So yeah, with your time with sports data IO, now you're with the, uh, you know, finance and is it like, would you say it's a finance and economic like department? Is it kind of like a team? What's, how's, what's that look like? Um, it's definitely a department right now. Um, it's just two of us. And mm-hmm. um, I think we might be getting one more. I'm not hundred percent sure about that. Um, but basically, yeah, what we do, we just do the basic like accounting and budgeting. Each department has a budget. So, mm-hmm. um, and then there's that kind of thing. Um, and then as for the economic impact side of it, um, that's really just trying to tell a story of how these big events, you know, impact the Valley. Mm-hmm. So we just did Super Bowl. So basically we, the entity that we are, are the Arizona major events host committee mm-hmm. um, for Super Bowl. While I wasn't there, they were the Arizona Super Bowl host committee. And now the um, Phoenix local organizing committee, which is for final four. Um, but basically all under one umbrella, right? Mm-hmm. And for economic impact, it's basically just trying to show um, each city, because, you know, it's not just Phoenix, there's Glendale, there's Scottsdale, Tempe. It's kind of like trying to show each city why it's worth it to have these events here because, you know, it impacts spending by this much. So it's just getting like hotel data. It's getting um, a lot. We have like geo-tracking data, that kind of thing for... Um, just trying to get like any kind of data possible. We're always like mm-hmm. looking for new avenues to get like spending data and things like that, just to kind of show, um, to show like partners, like, Hey, this is how this is impacting the Valley, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So when it comes time to, you know, bid for these events, so, you know, the next Super Bowl or the next final four, whenever that comes to town, um, it's kind of important to show like, Hey, look, we saw this much of a growth here, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I would say that economic impact side is a little more important. Uh, the finance side is just a lot of making sure that like, you know, everything is good within, you know, the departments and that kind of thing and accounting and, and spending and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Right. So with the, uh, with economic impact studies and whatnot, uh, how far out you guys, do you know, do you, do they bid for these events and use numbers? Cause I feel like each year it's, you know, I guess the, unless the, the event just sucks, but theoretically it should get like a little bit better, right. Depending on the city and the, you know, I guess like the 2020 environmental impact when the super, wherever the Super Bowl was in 2020 probably wasn't ideal, but yeah, I mean, do they pitch those like years in advance? Cause I feel like the numbers would always change. Right. Yeah. So usually they're pitched. I'm not exactly sure when, when the 2024 pitch was done, but it was probably three or four years ago. But basically what we do is it's especially nice for us because we already had the final four here in 2017. Mm-hmm. So we could kind of show like, hey, look at this growth, you know, between, um, you know, spending in the same time period from 2016. Like, right. let's say that weekend in April from 2016 to 2017, just kind of showing like, hey, look at how much of a jump we got. We can get that same jump. We can show that like, oh, in 2023, people were spending even more than they were in 2016. So you can assume that the jump will be even bigger. Um, and obviously, you know, you've been in Phoenix for a little bit here. 
Um, it's growing pretty fast. Sure. Um, there's, it's, you know, a lot more events are coming here. It's kind of, I guess, getting its own identity on the national stage. Um, and I don't know, we'll see what happens because obviously like Vegas is getting a lot of these big events now. LA is getting yeah. a lot of these big events, but um, Phoenix is kind of showing that like, Hey, we can kind of hang with these guys and, mm-hmm. and kind of bring our own things going on here. So um, I would say that's pretty nice, but yeah, I would say just for like the numbers and stuff like that, it's done a few years in advance. A lot of it's like projections, just projecting, right, like, yeah. Oh, this is what's going to happen here. This is what's going to happen here. Um, that kind of thing. So, yeah. And then, so you, um, I guess you, so it's a team of two, you guys go into the office is kind of what's the, what's the office, uh, I guess, work, work job like, I mean, is it different cubicles and teams or is it kind of oh, like gotcha. you, guys are, you guys are separate or how does that all? Yeah. So pretty much everybody has their own like little office, except for me, I'm kind of out in the hallway at a, it's still a desk and I still got my own area, but, uh-huh. um, you know, cause I'm brand new and stuff like that. I'm, I don't get my own office with a closed door. Uh, but that's fine. But there is a lot of overlap between the departments. Mm-hmm. So there was, I mean, most of the time, obviously I'm helping out with finance and economic impact, but um, there is a lot of crossover when it comes to events and when it comes to marketing and mm-hmm. um, all those other departments, just because um, it's all kind of relevant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like finance can just kind of go do their own thing. Mm-hmm. It affects everything else. And like marketing, they need like their budgets and um, you know, events, they kind of need their budgets and that kind of thing um even like corporate partnerships that's obviously huge when it comes to budgets because you know we kind of need to we need like numbers for that so um i would say there's a lot of overlap it's not really just us two doing our thing Mm -hmm. um it's a lot of like collaboration and thing like that with the uh, with the other departments so yeah and then is is that something because you were an intern kind of before working that a few months back and then so how how did it go from kind of intern to now you're you know top dog full-time there was it I mean did was it kind of like hey you know we're gonna have one position open up survival of the fittest um kind of walk our viewers and listeners through that uh kind of the interview process and whatnot gotcha okay so basically um the internship was supposed to go to August 25th I started June 5th so it was about like three and a half months Mm -hmm. um about halfway through, I kind of expressed my desire. I was like, hey, you know, I kind of want to stay full time. I don't know if you guys have positions opening up and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, you know, set me up with an interview with the boss. And, um, you know, it just one random Thursday because my internship was Monday through Thursday. One random Thursday came up to me and they're like, hey, listen, we're going to offer you the full time position. Um, if you're ready, like you can start next week. And I'm like, OK, cool. That, that works for me. Um, so yeah, it was kind of nice to have the internship cut a little short and then, you know, just kind of go full time, um, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot of like, this is what I always say to people like who your internships and stuff like that is like, you can't think you're above, um, any work, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like, you know, I would say throughout my time as an intern, I was like always saying yes to things, always being like, Hey, do you, I need this done. And I'll be like, yes, yes, yes. My, my boss, he's pretty cool. He wasn't like, you know, sometimes like the worst he would do is have me get coffee, which is like, that's really no big deal. Um, I I don't mind doing that at all. Um, so I know, you know, your mileage may vary and stuff like that, but just any kind of task or project or whatever you're given, um, I would always take it on with kind of like the full, um, I guess so like with full effort and that kind mm-hmm. of thing and trying to go like as in depth as possible with it. So, yeah. um, I think all it's really like, I know everybody says it, but 
just putting in the work. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. Like people are going to notice that. And, um, you know, when you're kind of like showing up early every day and not necessarily like leaving late, but, you know, maybe not leaving right at, you know, five o'clock. Five o'clock on a dot, you're out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That definitely, you know, it definitely shows a lot for people. So I think that was a big reason why I was brought back on. Yeah, no, and it, it kind of reminds me of like, what is it? Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And so you're yep. already, you know, in the internship, you're doing the work, you're doing X, Y, and Z. And you, halfway through, I, I, I kind of like the the technique there, not like day one. You're like, hey guys, you know, I'm interested in working here. It's like, well, yeah. so is all the other interns. Like you got to yeah, yeah. do it some time so they can kind of see what kind of product they're working with and what kind of product you can, you know, uh, provide and whatnot. So yeah, I like the technique of, you know, halfway through or so, kind of saying, hey, you know, actually, this is something I'm interested in because sometimes when you do internships, I've heard it's like, I know someone did an internship and like they were just like, nah, this isn't it. Um, I'm not having a good time. I don't want to be in yeah. this sector. And yeah. that's totally fine. And, and that's good for the company and the person. It's like, we can both figure it out, be professionals about it and move on. So um, I, th- I think that's an important aspect of internships too. Not just like, you don't have to work there, you know? Yeah. It's, it's kind not- of finding out what you don't want to do. Exactly. You know? That's yeah. definitely a thing. So um yeah, but I think it's pretty great. I think if you tell them too fast, it's almost like, okay, yeah, obviously you're interested in a job. Yeah. You know, it's like, you, I don't know. Um, I think you just kind of got to let things simmer and then and then kind of go forward with it. So yeah. yeah, no, I'm with you there. Uh, let's let's uh, segue a little bit to uh, another great podcast that's on the airways. Uh, <laughs> it's the Ball Squad, Ball Squad oh, yeah. podcast. It's you and some you and some buddies uh, mm-hmm. from from high school, from undergrad. When did you guys kind of start? Yeah, so. Basically, it started uh, 2020, COVID, um, pretty much. So I played, it's four of us. We all played high school ball together. Um, and we always had this group chat since like, I want to say like sophomore year of high school called the Ball Squad, right? Yeah, it is. Um, so that name, that name has existed for quite a while. And, you know, we were like, let's just make, we were bored during COVID and we're like, let's just make a basketball show. Like we love talking about basketball all day. Let's just do it. Uh, so we called the ball squad podcast. Um, and I'd like to say that we were super consistent in making it, but honestly, I don't think, I think the last episode we uploaded was like last August. So it's been almost a year. Um, gotta bring it back. But, gotta get it yeah. Going. We gotta bring it back. We just got busy with life. You know, two of the guys, they're married now. Um, we gotta do you know, a simulcast content sports podcast in the ball squad podcast. Simulcast. <laughs> oh yeah. We'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, it was just always fun talking about, um basketball and you know it was a little bit amateur hour but I think it still taught me a lot when it comes to like you know how to communicate how to um almost present because it's kind of like a form of presentation and like Mm -hmm. public speaking that kind of thing um so also I feel like podcasting looks very easy like if you're not a podcaster but Mm -hmm. it's kind of difficult to be honest with you just because there it's a different kind of talking right Definitely. You can't, it's not just like hopping on mics and talking like you can do that, but it doesn't come out too well. You know, mm-hmm. you have to kind of learn to be concise. You have to learn how to, um, you know, kind of plan and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it was a great experience. You know, it's not like we, we've closed the door on it yet. Maybe once we all get some time on our hands and like more consistent schedules, um, you know, we'll bring it back and that kind of thing. Cause it was always fun talking about ball right. and, you know, getting in those like debates and things like that. Um, it's always a good time. Yeah. So. When, and it's, you know, I consider it kind of a resume builder and, you know, mm. I'm, 
I don't really know how else to say this, but like even for me, kind of when I'm starting it, kind of same concept. It's like, well, I'm doing all these informational interviews with everybody. I might as well just record it and have these conversations yeah. and start it up. And then it's also, it's going to build skills and um, also build skills for, you know, the guests as well. It's like a lot of them yeah. maybe haven't been on a podcast before. They don't know what it's like. So I think it's just a win-win then, you know, people that are in undergraduate degrees are listening and saying, okay, this is kind of how what graduate school is like and, you know, get a face behind some of the students. I don't know yeah. about you, but when, when I was applying, I was looking at like the current students. I'm like, okay, let's, I mean, let me match up my resume at this person. Let's see what's going on here. So I feel like it, it you know, it helps hopefully in, in that sense for the listeners and viewers to kind of yeah see, see what, see what the space is like before kind of jumping in, you know? Yeah. I never thought about it that way, but I think that's great that you say that just because, um, yeah, for me, like when when Aaron was like, hey, you got to do informational interviews and stuff like that. I was like, shoot, I don't know how to do this. Like this is, you know, very hard. But I think kind of having this and this is kind of like a great template to just be like, hey, you know, if you're talking to somebody, this is like some great questions to ask. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the plan there. And um, I guess now that you're kind of in a new role, like we're saying uh, different schedules and whatnot. How do you, I guess, prepare for the week? Do they give you projects that you're like, okay, you know, I, I got to prepare a week in advance. My day starts right. at, is it like a nine to five? Do the listeners and viewers just a little inside kind of as a full-time, um, having a full-time position in the sports industry, what what that's like? Right. So usually every Sunday or so, I will um, kind of plan my week out. And that's a little bit really work projects or anything like that this on this day and like just some basic like tasks i gotta do right mm -hmm. um usually on monday i'll meet up with my boss and be like okay what are we doing um you know usually he'll already have some stuff for me so right. that that usually works out um and then on wednesdays we have kind of a one-on-one -on -one just to kind of catch up and be like okay this is what we need to look forward to um what is nice is i believe every monday we get kind of like a weekly status report of everything that's going on within the departments um and we kind of have like a little 30 day um i guess it's like okay what's urgent what's in the next 30 days and what's after that mm, you know a little I mean? time so time just kind of yeah that kind of thing um so that's always nice to kind of like get on top of that that stuff um the thing about my job though is it's very like sometimes it can be a little chaotic when it comes to like switching things around like sometimes i'll be working on something and my boss will be like hey you gotta you know put that on hold you know, this is a priority now, that kind of thing, um, which is fine. You just have to learn to kind of be flexible at that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, which it's honestly been fine for me. Um, it's just it is nice just because now I'm out of school and I'm fully able to like focus on work and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it just makes things so much easier when, when that happens, you know, because I've balanced, you know, work and school before and like I've done it fine. But, you know. A lot of times, you know, if I had to stay late at work or something like that, it just gets a lot more stressful. But, you know, if I have to stay late at work nowadays, it's just like, well, I don't got anything else going yeah, on. It's, so, a, it's a weird kind feeling. Of, yeah, yeah. It's like, that's it. And you don't really have homework and stuff like that, which would be great. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, our hours are like, usually office hours, like eight to five. Um, depending on if I have to, you know, sometimes I got to go to the bank and stuff like that after work. So I'll leave a little bit early because, you know, you got to go before five, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then we work from home on Fridays, which is nice. Um, oh, I do like, I do like working from home, but it's just not really something I could do every day because yeah. you just get way less work done. But um, I think that's going to change soon just because as we get closer to the event, 
um, there's not going to be any working from home. It just doesn't really make sense. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be locked in. So that mm. is that is that something they've I'm assuming they adopted from COVID. You know, or is that? Um, I think it's one of those things that was like, hey, you know, just to kind of um, because this past summer was kind of like our least busiest time like it's only going to get busier from here um and i assume at some point they were like hey you know what we can do work from home because you know we did it during covid and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so just because it was a um it was something that can be done they're like why not try to implement it um but yeah just with the nature of the job and stuff like that being in the office there's no way that would work full time it's just not going to happen there's just too much communication that happens like throughout the thing um a lot of our stuff is like physical papers, physical, that kind of thing. Mm. It just doesn't really work online. So um, usually on Fridays, it'll just be stuff I've already started. I've already started working on and just like finishing that up. Um, but again, I don't, you know, I think once September rolls around, I think we're just going to be full time five days a week because yeah. it's just going to get busier and busier. So, yeah. I gotcha. And then as, as far as kind of with your, and I'd say you're kind of in the analytic sector, that's uh, a fair assessment or mm. some, I guess, essential skills, um, maybe softwares you could add in there or just things in that nature that, um, well, I guess the obvious one is coding, which I'm kind mm-hmm. of a hypocrite. Cause I don't really know too much about coding yet. I'm hoping <laughs> one day I will, but just, um, you know, basic, basic level, obviously you want to know Excel, um, just kind of getting to know how formulas work, how those kind of numbers work. Um, I would say probably the biggest thing is data visualization, Um, if you have all the data, that's great. But if you don't know how to present it or show it, then there's not really a good point to it. So it's just kind of like learning how, um, how to organize charts, how to make things like pop out to people. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my boss, he kind of has like a format, what, how he wants his charts done. So I always follow that. Um, but just kind of learning like, okay, what's visually appealing, what really gets the message across because, um, your data is not really good unless you know how to present it. Um, I would also say we don't really use this at final four, but I have some experience with it. Tableau is very good for visual data, just, you know, knowing how to do those charts and that kind of thing. Um, I think it's very useful. So yeah, I would probably say those are probably some good, uh, certifications to have. Um, and I would say coding languages again, I don't know them yet, but the two I hear most common are Python and R. So I would say knowing one of those, um, just from my informational interviews and me asking people like, okay, what, which one do you like? Mm-hmm. Um, they said, just learn whichever one, because it's, one. it's pretty easy to transfer over like awesome. either way. Um, but from what I understand, Python is a lot easier to get into and it's a little bit more versatile. So I would probably do that one. So yeah, just saying those Python and R gave the PTSD from sports <laughs> and Linux class. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that, what was that? Was that the the SQL? Was that the like software we used to do all that? SQL or... is like, it's basically kind of a coding language to pull like data. So that was like what we, because on Data Camp, if you remember That's that. That's what it was, Data Camp. Yeah, That's sorry it. to remind you about that too. There it is, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we did R and SQL, but from what I understand, um, you want to learn SQL either way because it mm-hmm. works with both Python and R. So uh... I would learn like, either Python or R and then SQL, that kind of thing. So I see. I see. Okay. So along with that, what other, what other kind of, I guess, education or uh, sites, maybe people do you follow that uh, can keep you up to date in that specific sector and then also kind of in the sports sector? Gotcha. Um, well, I follow a lot on LinkedIn. There's a lot of like 
because my thing was basketball analytics, right? So mm-hmm. I follow a lot of those guys that are, um, some of them aren't NBA front offices, that kind of thing. Um, I'm trying to think of like influences or anything like that, but I don't think I really follow any. I'm sure they're out there though. Um, yeah. So you definitely look at them. Um, I know the Sloan analytics conference is very big. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been just because it's pretty expensive to go there. I think it's 800 bucks just to get in. Um, plus you got to fly out to Boston and that kind of thing. So it's a, it's pretty hefty, but um, I know that's kind of like where analytics King is mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the industry. Saber analytics, if you're into baseball, that one's great. Um, they, they do a good job of making it a lot more accessible to students. Um, I think their membership price for students is like 25 bucks a year, which honestly that's is good. not much yeah. um, when it comes to um, just kind of like learning that, especially if you're into baseball and that kind of thing. Um, what is nice about, oh, there's a couple more. Um, I believe it's called sports data pros. So what they do is they have like a Python course, but they do it from the perspective of fantasy football. I think that's pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so if you just Google like fantasy football data pros, you know, that, that pops up and I think they do, um, baseball and basketball now as well. So if you want to learn from that, and I think the course is like 50 bucks. So again, not too much if you, if you want to get into it. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of places, uh, baseball and basketball references, you know, sportsreference.com, I guess in yeah. general, that, that spot is pretty good too. They, they do a lot of stuff with that. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, whenever I need, uh, I'm usually on that, what is it? NFL sports pro reference or whatever. I mean, yeah. just the amount of data you can get from that. And then a lot of times you can even just, I think you've shown me this or Dalton, maybe you can like convert into an Excel sheet and this whole time yep. I was like copying and pasting stuff or you know, just dragging <laughs> numbers over and you can just convert the entire, uh, you know, sheet or whatever to Excel, which is, you know, a lot makes life a lot easier. Yeah, that's pretty useful because, um, yeah, just getting it into Excel and stuff like that. I would do that all the time for ball squad whenever I needed to pull stats and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Just get it all into Excel and, and then uh, do that kind of thing. Um, there was one other one. Oh, um, Code Basketball. That's the one. Um, I've heard that one is also pretty good for for learning about this kind of stuff. So yeah. okay, for, yeah, we'll link all those kind of <laughs> in in the description, and I'll have to check some of them out because I'm not too familiar with. Um, I guess that particular space, but as we, we wrap up here, I just want to get your thoughts on a few uh, sports business sports, uh, I guess, team right. uh, information uh, questions. So uh, yeah, as you're an, our NBA insider at the constant sports uh, hub here, uh, can you, do you foresee the NBA uh, expanding overseas, maybe regular season games, kind of like the MLB with the Dodgers and Padres in Mexico, yep. NFL, obviously in London and Germany. I mean, do you see something like that going forward? Um, they, they did some last year, actually, they had a game in Paris, they had a game in Mexico city. Um, I think, yeah, I think it'll be a little bit more like MLB where you'll kind of see maybe, cause I don't know if you've seen, but the NBA has, they kind of do a little bit more of a series format sometimes now where mm-hmm. they'll play the same team back to back. Um, so I think you could see maybe some of those going overseas a lot. happening they've already had preseason games there mm-hmm. i could see china happening well maybe i mean they had that whole thing happen with them but um may, they've had preseason games there before so who knows mm-hmm. maybe i don't know how that relationship is right now um, that, they did one in like beijing that was um we're in that like 12 or i don't remember i don't know where they did that but i, I, I feel like they did something over there preseason game or something yeah because i mean basketball market's huge there mm-hmm. um I had an idea. It would be cool because there's a lot more foreign NBA players now. Mm-hmm. The days it'd be cool if they scheduled some games like 
in their home countries, like maybe one or yeah. two. So like, let's have Jokic go to, you know, Serbia to play a game or, you know, Giannis go back to Greece to play a game, something like that. I think that would be, uh, that'd be pretty cool, but I don't know oh, yeah. the logistics behind all that. Or, you know, when Benyana having the Spurs go back to France to play a game or something like that, that could work out. So yeah, I no, I'm with you. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see it, you know, becoming something that happens as for like expansion outside the country. I don't know if I see that happening. I know Mexico city was very, um, I guess it was floated a lot for mm-hmm. expansion, but I don't know if I see it happening just because of the elevation of Mexico uh-huh. city. It's like double what Denver is and oh, Denver's yeah. already hard to play <laughs> in, you know? Um, oh, so, you know that, and then having players, you know, wanting to move there. I mean, it's very tough to get them to move to Canada. It might be tough to get them to move to Mexico yeah. City. So. A lot more logistics. I mean, when yeah. and with the elevation, as we saw with the, the Padres and Dodgers, yeah, like oh yeah, 500-foot homers, just with ease, opposite field. It's like, can okay, maybe this isn't a good idea. Like, yeah, like you crazy. can't do it too frequently. Yeah. I remember when, yeah, I think it was Miami and, oh, I forgot the other team that played in uh, – mexico city they were gassed by that oh yeah just like dying. it, was, it yeah. was ridiculous so yeah that's um yeah and i guess it's always something to think about in the future as, as these teams or i guess the sports leagues become more international and it's mm-hmm. i feel like sports now are just i mean we're already pretty global i'm not entirely sure like how much more global we can get with yeah you know, without putting teams like like we're saying legitimately in the other countries yeah um, because that, that i feel like that's the, really the only I guess like next step you could take. Yeah. Um, or like starting another league. Yeah. Like, you know, like how a, the NFL started NBA or NFL Europe. Or yeah. Yeah. That's so. yeah. But then it's like, how are you going to get, you know, I feel like the, if you make another league, right. Everyone's going to be one in like the, the United States league. Cause it's closer. All the teams are closer. I mean, I guess you could, it's a possibility. I'm just saying. Yeah. It, 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 I think it'd be, it'd be harder to get them. Maybe not. It's, maybe people like play, you know, overseas all the time, but. Yeah, it's very tough logistically, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So yeah. You had to go back and forth, time time zones, time changes coming back, coming this way. Like it's yeah. It's just I a mean, mess. It's already tough to fly across the country, you know. Yeah. So imagine flying across the ocean. You know? yeah. it's, it's pretty hard. So yeah. It's that's that's nuts. So um just wrap it up here. Michael, thanks for joining us today and sharing some mm-hmm. insights on uh where we do a little bit of a deep dive in the analytics world, uh, something I'm not too familiar with. So of, um, I'm sure the viewers and listeners were able to kind of, you know, take a little sneak peek behind the curtain and get uh, get some more information about the numbers. But as we go forward here, we'll just uh, leave you uh, kind of with the floor. Text, uh, you know, give anyone any shout outs, uh, mention mm-hmm. any, anything you need to. So we'll just give you the next minute or so to, uh, to wrap up and then we'll finish from there. All right. So, yeah, um, I would say going into the sports industry, I had less experience than most people like when i started in mslb mm-hmm. you know there were maybe it was just imposter syndrome or whatever but i saw all these people's resumes and stuff like that like in their careers classes like shoot i don't have anything like that um but i think like i was alluding to earlier as long as you kind of put the work in and you know once you kind of get that foot in the door like you really have to take advantage of these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so when I had, when I got this internship, obviously, you know, I was just willing to kind of commit fully to the internship, that kind of thing. Um, when you do that, I think that's the most important thing to do because you really, you know, you kind of got to make yourself stand out that kind of thing. So um, you can't really think you're above any type of work 
And if you're like I was where you're like, shoot, I don't really have any sports experience, but I want to get in. And, you know, you see kind of all your colleagues around you, like, dang, these guys got really good gigs um, going. I would, you know, it's cool that they have that and that kind of thing. But you have to always remember that, like, you have your, what's special about you. You just don't yep. have the experience yet. You know what I mean? Like, you you still have a lot of skills, a lot of things. And, um, you know, but also it's important to be honest with yourself and just be like, okay, I need to get better at this. I need to get better right. at that, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, which is something I kind of had to do as well, just with um, kind of like making connections and and talking with people, that kind of thing. Um, that wasn't something that came easy to me, but uh, once you kind of get used to doing that, you know, a lot of things come easier. So yeah, I would say just keep working hard and um, you know, things will come. Right. Yep. And Oh, one other thing is there's never like wasted experience, I guess, if you want to say that there, I've had like a couple of jobs and stuff like that, that were not in sports. Like I was a legal document specialist last year, you know, they, nothing to do with sports. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I just remember always thinking like, oh, this sucks because it's not really advancing my career too much. It's not, you know, um, it's not really helping me with getting a job in sports, that kind of thing. But now all day I'm working with word and Excel and yeah, PowerPoint and there's like, I know a lot of people say like, oh yeah, I'm qualified in Microsoft office and stuff like that. But um, once you kind of know it a little more in depth, then, you know, there's a lot more things that you can do with it. And it, it always impresses people. Mm -hmm. So there's no such thing as wasted experience, I would say. So oh, yeah, perfect. Wonderfully put. And thanks for closing us out there. And mm -hmm. thanks to our listeners and viewers. And this has been another episode of the Constant Sports Podcast. And they say it's all about who you know. And now you know Michael Barna. So thanks for joining us and stopping by today, Michael. Oh, yeah, no problem. It's been All great. Right. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk to you later. All right, sweet. Have a good See one. You.